This message is brought to you by Living Faith Church. You can find us on the web at livingbyfaith.com. I have a couple of things that I want to do tonight. And um, the first one, um, and I believe that even though this is something kind of spontaneous from the Spirit, um, it has to do with the moment we're in here. And so... and. Um, so I, I want to go there because I believe that it does have to do with the spirit-filled life. You know, sometimes all of the things that we know um, currently, we have a tendency to exist in what we know currently and sometimes surround ourselves with just the walls of what we currently understand. That being said, I want to sort of just shoot out some things to everybody here tonight, those of you that are visiting, but also those of you that um, come regularly. In so, um, we are endeavoring to allow the Holy Spirit to flow freely. That being said, however many people are here on a Wednesday, there are that many flows of the Holy Spirit. Okay? Uh, Everybody in here is born again, I believe. I'm looking around, and I believe everyone is born of God. So you have Holy Spirit. You have an encounter with God. And and part of my heart in, in so is that we aren't bound by right and wrong. We aren't bound by that. However, there are things that are profitable and things that aren't. So that being said, it is an interesting growth pattern for the church. Okay? We're all the church. Some of us grew up in church. Maybe a little taller steeple. Um, And so, consequently, we received some beautiful seed that was trained into a box. And just like Pastor Babette was saying, we have to, even with our finances, unleash our thinking, unleash how we take the covenant God has given us because it's far bigger, far broader than what we can understand or even chapter and verse. Now, if you were here tonight, don't hear what we're not saying in so. We're not saying walk away from the Bible. However, we are saying this shouldn't become a wall that you keep God in. So I wanted to share a couple of scriptures with you before I even, and if I get into the teaching, fine, and if I don't, this is it. This is the teaching. But we are in a space where we come together, and God speaks to each of our hearts. And so we move in worship, and we move in teaching, and we endeavor to allow Holy Spirit freedom in each of our hearts. Okay? Sometimes you'll come, if you're a person who prefers musical worship, I prefer both, so I'm really kind of, I say, God, I'm believing I'm not a double-minded man, because I love musical worship, I don't generally want it to end, I love the teaching of the word. And so I can get caught in places, and as the leader, it's an interesting place for me sometimes to have to make a final decision. So I'm asking everyone that comes, come with an open heart and an open mind. Um, If it turns out to be a night just with musical worship, 
And any forms of musical, of worship that you feel to do in that context, feel free. If it's not your vibe, take a deep breath. God will still touch you. You see, he doesn't touch us because it's our favorite thing to do. He touches us because he's faithful. And when you're in his presence, just like natural parents around their babies, you want to hug them. They, they grow up and you still want to get with them and hug them and, and, you know, interact with them. He's the same way. So if worship ends and you're a worshiper that like prefers the musical worship, don't get mad because worship ends. Take again, take the deep breath and say, Father, you're touching, you're moving. And I say this because I don't know everything the Holy Spirit will do, and no one in the room does. And no matter how mature we get in God, no, how, no matter how many scriptures you know or can quote, no matter how many doctrines or principles, or no matter how strong we think our faith is, Holy Spirit is Holy Spirit. And so he, what he takes advantage of, I believe in so, is the open hearts of everyone that comes. And so whatever a flow might be, if there's 50 people in the room, there's the potential for 50 flows. So perhaps 49 of them won't be what you thought should happen. Right? But that doesn't mean it's wrong. That doesn't mean it's not the glory of God. That doesn't mean it's not the living word. You see, sometimes when what's going on is happening and maybe you don't think that's the train that should be going on here, maybe go inside your heart and pray, Father, you're doing something with someone that I don't know who it is, but you're moving in a way that one of my sisters or brothers needs. Okay, I want to share the scriptures with you. From Psalm 119, first verse 105, and I'm, I'm going to read it. Um, you would be familiar with it perhaps from King James or New King James. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. But I love it from the passion. Truth's shining light guides me in my choices and decisions. The revelation of your word makes my pathway clear. You see, there will be things that we're learning, all of us, whether it be those of us that have to lead or those that that simply come on Wednesday nights as part of the gathering. We have to realize there is truth shining in everything that transpires here. You think about it. When we worship, we're worshiping in the name of Jesus. We're worshiping Jesus. We're worshiping Father God. We're allowing Holy Spirit to take what's happening inside of us and allow it to literally gather with everything else that's happening in the room. In our thinking, we may not be able to perceive exactly what that is. Yet God's light is doing some guiding things in our heart and teaching us, preparing us, grounding us in further movement of him. Think about it, guys. There's a lot happening on this planet that doesn't transpire inside of a church building. Can we leave a church building and recognize it? Can we look at people who don't yet know Jesus and see God's goodness? 
manifesting through their lives. We talked about that at chats tonight. God is good. And so when people are doing generous, good things, God's on the move. The other verse is Psalm 119, verse 130. Let me find it here. Break open your word within me until revelation light shines out. Those with open hearts are given insight into your plans. See, there's, there is something happening in here on Wednesday nights. I'm not talking to the exclusion of anything else going on anywhere else in the church. It's just that this is a school of the word and of worship. And I believe those two things are hand in glove. I believe when we come with an attitude that says, God, because we're gathering together in your name, there will be wonderful things that transpire. Some I'll understand and some I won't. And all of us leaders that have spoken to you at at all, whether it's from the platform, through the worship team, teachers, whatever, we will say, go away from a Wednesday night and ponder. You know, sometimes I have to ponder something I don't understand. But because I don't understand it, I go away and say, God, I want to talk to you about this. I want insight. Remember the the other scripture that was speaking of literally his revelation makes my pathway clear. You see, I can walk a church pathway. I can walk a teacher pathway. I can even choose to leave both of those behind and just walk a worshiper pathway. But in so doing, I've compartmentalized my life. And by doing that, I compartmentalize God. Rather than to say, I'm open for you to cause my life to begin to billow and flourish so that no matter what transpires, I sense you. I can be with my brothers and sisters, and whether I see eye to eye with how they're moving, I can sense you, God, because I know they love you. I know their lives. You see, it's very important that we know one another after the Spirit. It's very important. Very important. Are you all with me? Because I feel like there there is the majority of the people here tonight, you all are incredibly committed and faithful to sow. Which means you, your heart, your mind is a part of what God is able to do here. You have sown for now two years. September was two years where Training Center moved from that environment of tuition-based classroom teaching into the wide open field as the School of Word and Worship. So two years in, your heart, your faith, your love of God has contributed to what he's able to do here. So a key for us here, take a deep breath, because as things adjust and as some weeks are normal, now, you know, air quotes, normal, what's a normal night? Some weeks are normal, might be the way we expected. Some may be completely out of what we expected. Can we choose to move in unity? No one's been disunified. I'm simply saying Because I feel like he said to my heart, just begin to prepare people for things that happen. Because sometimes I'll have people come to me afterwards and say, why did worship have to end? Or some will come to me and say, why was there no teaching? And the only answer I can give is Holy Spirit. 
I mean, I could grab it every week and say there's 30 minutes of worship, there's an hour and a half of teaching, go home. It's called a church service. It's a beautiful thing. But that's not what this is supposed to be. Okay? And we're not against church services, right? But this is a space where we're all exploring together and learning. So I kind of wanted, it felt like because God was saying, you know, just give a measure of explanation. Some of you may already have known this, felt this, perceived this, but some of you may be saying, okay, what's going on here? I mean, if you haven't said what's going on here, then we're different. Because I'm, I'm like, okay, God, I'm growing out of a perspective I had of both the ministry and teaching of the word and of worship. Because musical worship can be the teaching of the word. And I'm going to tell you, the teaching of the word is quite melodic to the human soul. This word saves your soul. When you're going crazy, this word will come and sing a lullaby to your brain. So I love you guys. And I, 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 like I said, I feel like, well, I can't take credit for it, but I feel like God had really said in my heart, just sort of keep things honest and communication open to what this is. Everybody cool with that? Okay. Um, a couple of weeks ago, you know how God says stuff sometimes to your heart and it's like, what? Good grief. Why you say that? I'm on the treadmill and, um, I'd been pondering for me, I have trouble the series being topical because to me, the whole life just interacts and intertwines. So we try to give names to the series so that somebody maybe in the congregation that's interested in studying the Spirit-filled life or Holy Spirit would come to this teaching. For me, faith is all up in this, Holy Spirit's up in this, worship is up in this, um, healing is up in covenant, because the Word is like a vivacious circle. So I've said, okay, God, um, I believe there are things in this Spirit-filled life that are intertwined, And yet we're learning them new. So a couple of weeks ago, when Terry was teaching, um, she spoke about the immense size of our spirit. That it transcends our bodies. Like you can't just house your spirit. When you're around someone, people feel you. People can feel peace. People can feel ease. They, If you are trusting God and so you don't walk in fear, they can feel that. You may have had people that said, I just like to be around you. I just feel more at ease when I'm with you. Same thing is true if you're an angry person. People can be around you and be angered just by your atmosphere. Okay? Now, again, don't hear what I'm not saying. We are triune beings. We are spirit. We have a soul and we live in a body. However, those three parts were not meant to live separately of one another. So when Terry said that the other week, I thought about um, just the whole aspect of 
emanating out of our body. So this is where I was sort of like swimming in my own personal time with God in that aspect of the immenseness of our spirit. I love her teaching on Holy Spirit. And so I'm just sort of swimming around in those waters and I'm on the treadmill one day. And this statement just sort of rises up inside me. The unrenewed attitude is an unruly beast. You know, we talk in church all the time about the renewed mind or the unrenewed mind. Well, our mind and whatever it's being built out of is what emanates attitudes. I'm just saying. Anybody in here ever had an attitude? I'll put up both hands. Sometimes when we don't understand something, we step back and have an an attitude because we don't understand, so we don't want to move. That's kind of why I'm like, feeling maybe Lord, the Lord is saying, just think about the atmosphere in here because there'll be many things that are going to go on in the weeks ahead, the years ahead, as we keep gathering. I believe the gathering will grow. I believe that there's an atmosphere to this gathering that is safe. It's safe. We will always have the chapters and verses. However, we will resist being bound by them. These chapters and verses, these principles, this covenant was meant to lift us out of natural thinking, to lift us up out of the bindings of human life on planet Earth. So I thought about that, and I, um, I thought about that statement. I didn't like the statement the day it came. I had an unrenewed attitude to what he was saying to me that day. And I'm thinking, okay, yeah, uh, renewed mind, renewed mind, renewed mind. Yeah. That was an attitude. Because I'm thinking, this, this sounds just a whole lot of natural stuff. Unruly beast. <laughs> okay, all we got to do is go outside those doors just walk around a few days or weeks or months. You probably have a life where there's some unruly beasts there, and you might have an unruly beast against the unruly beasts. You know, one of the things for me is I hate prejudice of any kind and judgment. Do you know how easy it is to judge those who judge? Uh-huh. I mean, it's that fast. That thing you hate, you are it. Because our attitude, my mindset was never meant to hate anyone, not even those who hate. Do you realize what a slippery slope separation from God is? Thank you, Jesus. Seriously, thank you, Jesus, for saving us. Thank you for paying a price we could never pay. So I've been thinking about this unruly beast. And then when Terry was teaching all that, I'm like, wow. So the spirit-filled existence has a lot to do with how I allow God to train this faculty through which everything in my spirit can be stopped. Just like that. Just like it can become a wall that totally stops the flow of God. In a split second, with an attitude, say no condemnation. And I'm saying no condemnation. Thank you, Jesus. No condemnation. But this is important. I want to link this back because a few weeks back, I taught about, um, in the beginning, I think in the intro for the spirit-filled 
life. I taught about the fountain where Jesus spoke about there's a fountain. There'll be a fountain inside of you. And our spirit is the fountain aspect. Our spirit full of God is a fountain that rises up. So I want to go back to John 4.14, but I want to um, read it from the CSB translation. But whoever drinks from the water that I will give him will never get thirsty again. So that's pretty emphatic. In fact, the water I will give him will become a well of water springing up in him for eternal life. For eternal life. This, I believe, this is the point that spirit-filled life happens. That the expression, the outward flow of spirit-filled life, when, when that water where we've been drinking with Jesus, even say we come with an attitude on Wednesday nights, you know, Lord, no matter what transpires here tonight, I'm going to be gathered in unity with my family. I'm going to be open to what's happening in the room, what you're doing, how you're able to touch me, how you're able to touch my brothers and sisters. I know that there are people in the room, Father God, that have need. I believe that their needs are going to be met. I believe that you, Holy Spirit, will touch. There's word inside of all all the people in this room. And I thank you, Father. You're going to stir in that word. You're going to stir in that word inside of them. It's going to become a fountain that starts rising up. And their thinking is going to be adjusted by what's rising up inside of them. You see, even when we come in determined to be in unity, that is furthered in the gathering. We can choose to say, we put all division aside. You see, division exists on the earth because humans are willing to be divided. So it's no use for us as Christians to sit inside of a quote-unquote church service, speaking, learning against division, and sit in the very gathering divided, entertaining that which separates us. See, the enemy is very sly. He's not smart. He's not smart. He's very sly, though. All he can do is play on our weaknesses. So right there, there's an interaction. And when you go to John 4 and these verses, it's the woman at the well with Jesus. We've talked about this before, I think, when I taught a couple of weeks ago. Um, He shouldn't have even been talking to her by law. She's a Samaritan. I think he might have been led by the Spirit. So he's talking to her, and she's not a lady. She's a loose chick, and he's a holy man, but he's not worried because the fountain's rising up inside of him. And so unity, gathering, starts happening on the inside of him. His mind begins to realize, okay, In this instant, here's what's legal. Here's what's profitable. I want to read another portion of that because that point of the rising, we need to learn to recognize when the fountain inside of us rises. I want to look at verse 15, am I in the right place? No, I'm in 14, the chapter 14. I want to go to 4. Bear with me. 
You know, sometimes things like this can excite you. I don't know about you, but I'm really hungry. I'm really hungry. I'm hungry for God. I'm hungry for him to have freedom in our gatherings. I'm hungry for all of us to truly experience the freedom that Jesus paid a high price for us to have. I'm hungry to go free personally, but I'm hungry for y'all to go free. I'm hungry that that which billows beyond our bodies, our spirits, will even begin to draw people, not to populate this room on a Wednesday night to bring anybody accolades, just that this is truly a place where God is coming with rhema word to our hearts. If you are here, something in you that isn't human has drawn you. Normal people don't go to church on Wednesday night because you don't have to. You don't have to go on Sunday. Seriously, guys, do we realize? The Apostle Paul said, nothing is unlawful to me. Nothing. No thing is unlawful to me. However, not all things are profitable. So John 4, let me find my place. Um, This Passion Translation, where the numbers are, is so hard to pick up on. I'll start at 14. For when you drink the water I give you, it becomes a gushing fountain of the Holy Spirit, springing up and flooding you with endless life. The woman replied, let me drink that water so that I'll never be thirsty again and won't have to come back here to draw water. She says, let me drink that water. Jesus said, go get your husband. And bring him back here. Uh, don't, can't you imagine what she felt like right there? Like, ooh, I think the conversation might be over. But I'm not married, the woman answered. That's true, Jesus said. For you've been married five times, and now you're living with a man who is not your husband. You have told the truth. The woman said, you must be a prophet. You must be a prophet. Think about this. He's asking for water, and then he's telling her, I've got some stuff to give you, something you can drink that's going to change everything for you. I want to ask you tonight, do you believe, and maybe to any service that you come to, whether it be Wednesday night, Sunday morning, when you have your prayer time or worship time or study time or however you describe your time with God, When you go there, do you really realize what's happening? The potential for God to come and stir your interior. Some of the stirrings don't feel like church. Sometimes they don't feel good when they start. Because he's coming at the unruly beast sometimes inside of us that lives as an attitude. And it's not a condemnation thing with God. He says, if my word, if the fountain inside of you hasn't been able to touch certain aspects of your existence, I'm not judging you. I'm not coming to correct you, to put you on the path so that you can be a squeaky clean Christian and not embarrass me. You see, some of us have been raised by parents that they may have never said it, but we knew they didn't want us to embarrass them. Anybody? I grew up in an image-based household, beautiful household. My parents were wonderful to me. There was a lot of image in it. 
There was a way to look and there was a way not to look. That can really cramp your style. But it will teach you to salute. But it also will shut up the fountain. I want to switch for just a minute over to Romans 12. Let me read this in the CSB. I don't have that Bible. Let me grab my phone. This is one of the translations you can get on Blue Letter Bible. I find it so interesting. Okay, spelling does matter. Don't lose track. I'll get it. Therefore, brothers and sisters, in view of the mercies of God, I urge you to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true worship. Do you know the passion says of present, surrender. Surrender your bodies. Do not be conformed to this age, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. See, again, this is the renewing of our attitude. Our mindset is what releases attitudes. Sometimes, if I have a mindset of fear, I can release an attitude, I don't care, I don't need it. Avoidance. It says... Don't be conformed to this age, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may discern what is good, pleasing, and perfect will of God. See, there's a power to this surrender. Even in here, what I shared in the very beginning, there's a power to coming into this room and surrendering. There's a power to surrendering right from the start, right from the the first prayer, a power to surrendering. I've heard people say, you know... Musical worship's not my vibe. I'd, I, you know, I'd rather hear the teaching of the word. Are you surrendering to what's going on with every note? You see, every note is powerful because the people that are on this platform, they're not on there just because they can play music. They're on there because they're anointed, because they're gifted, because God has caused their hearts to be able to guide us to places in him. So if we come with a right attitude, not an attitude of what I'm comfortable with or what I like or any of that, but I come with an attitude, Father, this is a school of the word of God and a school of the worship of God. So I'm going to learn some new things. See, we've been trained to go to church. We've been trained to know the doctrine, to memorize the scriptures. We've been trained to sing songs, to raise our hands, to get on our face, whatever. But we can put all those things in a box and never surrender. We can put all those things in a doctrinal persuasion, but never allow our attitude to be renewed. You see, God does want us to know whatever we know right now, but he doesn't want it to be closed off and bottled up. You see, when you take really healthy, fresh food and you put it in a bottle, it's going to rot. Do you think maybe sometimes, I mean, Jesus said of the Pharisees, you whitewashed sepulchers full of dead men's bones. These were the teachers of the teachers. These were the people that knew the scriptures. And he's like, you don't even realize that you've died. 
Why? Don't go all doctrinal on me and freak out here. But they stopped up the fountain. You see, spirit should be alive. I know the new birth thing hadn't happened. Jesus hadn't died, all this. But think about the word of God comes to the human heart. The word of God came in the Old Testament. Abram's out there in the middle of the desert mooing at the, at the sun and, and all new agey in the old age. And God comes to him. God comes to people who are not yet saved, guys. How else do you get saved? We didn't get saved because of church. We got saved because before we knew anything about him, he came to wake our, our brain up, to wake our attitude up, that we don't have to live as mere humans. We don't have to sit back and be afraid of the future. We don't have to feel guilty about our past. We don't have to dread and mourn and live in a place where nothing can change. It's futile. Futility is one of the hugest, vicious things on this planet. You may be dealing with believing for some things that you've seen in scripture right now and you haven't seen them. And maybe you've been believing for year after year after year after year. I want you to know God is not into futility. He never brings a heartbeat of futility ever. He brings that which love, grace, all that, that which stirs up. He gives us something to drink. That wakes our heart up, causes our attitude to lift above the challenge and look. You see, when, when the word of God says, lift your eyes, lift your eyes, look at that which is above, not which that which is on the earth. It's not talking about a geographic location. Look toward the heaven. You want to know where heaven's at? Touch your gut. If God's going to open up heaven on the planet, the church is going to have to open their mouth, open their heart, let their attitude be renewed and say, we're going to release it. We're going to release the realm of heaven. You see, in the blood of Jesus, in the power of God's intention from before the foundation of the world, heaven and earth have already been put back together. I tell myself that all the time. I'm like, Kathy, quit acting like it's two different things. See, that's the renewing of my attitude. Heaven and earth are not separated. If they are, then it's because I've separated them inside myself. And we do that. My spirit and my soul. My spirit says, oh my gosh, let's just let Jesus move. Could we let Jesus move? My soul says, well, I've never seen him do that. My spirit says, well, let him do it now and you'll see. Well, I don't like what's going on here now. Well, shut up and watch. Shut up and feel. Well, I don't feel things. Stop and let me stir the water and maybe the fountain will spring up and change your thinking and rivers will start flowing and you'll realize. Ever said, I just am not like that? When it's something you actually would like to be like? Come on, guys. Do we believe what we say we believe or not? I'm so tired of myself. I'm tired of saying that I believe certain things and then succumbing to an attitude or a mindset or a doctrine that somebody put in a box for me. You see, the word of God, the real word of God, the word of God he speaks to our hearts is like this glorious, massive diamond ring. 
A lot of people have beautiful, I have some beautiful jewelry I inherited from my mom. It's sitting in velvet boxes. One of them is in a leather box, gorgeous leather box, in my dresser. We laugh, but we do that with this every single stinking day. Inside of you is the power to transform the planet. But we're more caught up in what eating healthy and recycling and nothing against that. I'm just saying, why are we recycling Christianity? Every hundred years, a few things will change. And then we go back to this is let's just have church. Let's not have church. How about let's be the ones called out of the dark place, called out of the crazy attitude. So the Passion Translation translation says, surrender, surrender yourself. Surrender yourself to God. You see, even tonight, in this room, there is a capacity for some surrendering. Verse 21 of Romans 12 says, do not be conquered by evil. Do you know that evil, do you know what evil really means from the Greek? Natural. Naturalness. God's not trying to judge us. He's simply saying, do you understand? You can think you're so holy, but you think naturally. And naturalness is the evil thing. Reducing your life to something that you think you can just perceive naturally that's evil. That's separate from God. Say no condemnation. Because thank goodness, it's like he's not keeping account of it. It's like I, I could be crazy this minute. And five minutes later, I'll be like, Lord, I'm so sorry for what I said. He's like, what? We have to get that picture. He's not constantly saying, you know, Kathy, you acted crazy on Monday at two. Then you got home to Neil and you acted like a lunatic from five to eight. Then you went to sleep and you had some pretty creepy dreams. I mean, he doesn't keep account of all this stuff. All he says is, I want you to surrender yourself. I've got a way to stimulate you that is way beyond your church doctrine. It's way beyond something that can manifest on these blue chairs while we sit on our butts. I'm just painting pictures, okay? There's something happening on Wednesday nights that is not a church service. I'm talking like God is still talking to us. Because think about it. There are things that have been prayed in this house. I've been here 30 years. 30 years. Didn't even want to go to church here. Wasn't even going to go to church here. Came for tongues. Been here 30 years. I still sometimes say, Jesus, help me. What were you doing? But there are things that have been prayed about here. People yearning. Yearning. And in some instances, yearning for far too long. That's not about anybody. It's just, it's what we do in church. We yearn and we yearn and we yearn. And we yearn. And we confess the scriptures and we yearn and we yearn and we yearn. While we still have crazy attitudes, division, separation, my perspective on the word of God and the church segments and, and this group believes this and this group believes that. And yet God is inside of us and saying, I want you to just go inside this fountain, drink at your fountain, let your brain drink at the fountain. 
Our ways, now just listen to this, our ways of doing things often were the way that someone else taught us that had no idea of kingdom truth, and yet God uses the truth of the word to adjust our thinking. Do you know that some of the things you were taught by people that didn't even know what they were teaching you, they still planted the seed in you? And now that seed is right there for the watering of the Holy Spirit inside of you for further revelation. So the word comes to adjust our thinking, or we could say attitude. Here's what attitude means. Are you ready? A feeling or way of thinking that affects a person's behavior. It's so simple. Why well, don't act like that in worship? A feeling or way of thinking that affects our behavior. I don't like how they treated me. So I'm just not going to have a relationship with them. A feeling or way of thinking that affects a person's behavior. So now I've got division going on. Guys, seriously, there's no condemnation. You realize I'm, I'm learning this same thing. I'm learning the same thing. Let's go to John 7. Remember what we're talking about? We're not talking about you personally. We're talking about an unrenewed attitude that's an unruly beast. I got some beasts I'm killing. I'm saying, Jesus, let me drink at this fountain. Let me drown this beast. I mean, isn't that the baptism in the Holy Spirit? You do realize the baptism in the Holy Spirit is more than shamatata. It's like, okay, let's drown some beasts. Let's really be immersed in spirit. Sometimes we try to fix the attitudes. Let's just drown them. John 7, verse 37. I'm having trouble finding all these. Oh, I'm still in 6. 7, 37. Then on the most important day of the feast, the last day, <laughs> some of the, the people that really didn't want to be there probably thought, oh, I'll be so happy when this is over. Anybody ever felt that way with the church? It is time for this service to end. So there were some people real happy it was the last day. Jesus stood and shouted out to the crowds, All you thirsty ones, come to me. Come to me and drink. See, all of us are in the process of learning what is it to drink. The word from the Greek means imbibe anybody that has toyed anywhere where you know what imbibing is oh come on church people please but this is a word jesus chose to use from the greek it means imbibe take in nourishment or refreshment absorb or assimilate and that can mean ideas or knowledge This is not just speaking of sitting in his presence and feeling good. I like that too. This is taking action to actually feed or be fed. Imbibe. Think about imbibing. I'm asking lots of questions. I I guess sometimes if you've had children or you've been around children, little children, as soon as they can talk, they ask mazillions of questions. Anybody know that? 
got kids that they, because they're curious, because they want to imbibe. They, they are, they don't even know that's what they're doing, but they're drinking of life. They're taking in information. What does it mean to do this? Why is this? Marianne asked me this question one time. We were sitting there. We'd had, I don't know, we'd worshiped musically a little bit. And then she says, mom, who am I? She was like five. Who am I? Like she had this, I could feel it in the room. Holy Spirit had like caused her to, all of a sudden something inside her stirred up this curiosity. I'm bigger than who I look at in the mirror and see. There's something more going on here. Who am I? Have you asked God that? It doesn't matter if you're five, 35, 75, 95. We can ask God questions. Who am I? Who do you see me as God? Do I drink God? Do I really go to your word and drink? Some of us go just looking for a scripture to justify the need we're praying about. Say no condemnation. That'll get you there. And then you stay there and drink. He's going to do something. He's going to do something. Spirit-filled living is a very active, extremely intentional, purposeful, properly directed life. Spirit-filled living. You see, if, if you're disappointed in the life that is the spirit-filled life. See, we love to say, oh, I'm not disappointed. I'm disappointed in people. Sometimes we're disappointed in life. Sometimes we're disappointed in Christian life. Because perhaps how we've approached our personal Christian life is very traditional or cautious. Anybody ever been cautious? I used to be so afraid to get outside the boundaries of what was kosher with God. I was so, I was like scared about that. And as a teacher, when I first started getting more liberated, I got scared because I thought, I'm accountable for what I teach. What if I go crazy out here? And you know what I found? If I get somewhere where I've said something that isn't foundationally scriptural, you stand up, you apologize and say, I'm cool. I want y'all to rethink this with me because I gave you the wrong info. Y'all with me? Fear is never right. Fear starts with timidity that causes us to be a little bit leery of really getting out there and living a full life. I want you to know, those of you that are sitting here on Wednesday nights, you guys are jam-packed loaded for bear. There are times when Holy Spirit is stimulating in this room so much, it actually gives me, okay, like I'm human, okay? So I'm going to really... Be vulnerable. It gives me this feeling that being the leader of this, I'm so overwhelmed. I get that fright or flight thing, and I literally want to run away from my call. This is serious business in here. In this house, it's serious business. The father of this house was brought, and I've said this again and again, and I'm, I will say it again and again, because yes, I am prejudiced. I'm prejudiced in the right way for my spiritual father. God picked he and his family up 10,000 miles away from here, uprooted a family, and brought them here with an intention. His intention was that people would truly be saved and live in real faith, not so that they'd look like wonderful Christians, but so that they would really live 
and the salvation Jesus provided. He sowed his entire life, almost seven, he would have been 75 on November 12th of this year. Sowed his whole life. From a child, he was raised. His grandmother was an intercessor. There's an intentional thing in those actions. And you, since you were conceived, have been on a trajectory toward tonight. That went over like a lead balloon. Seriously, guys, if God is doing something in this region, in this house, in this room on Wednesday nights, you are a major part of it. Your heart, your hunger, your desperation is a part of it. You drinking, imbibing, getting lit. And I'm not talking about lit where you just jump around and act crazy. I'm talking lit inside where you begin to refuse. I am starting to refuse certain attitudes. I'm not living with them anymore. I'm not living with attitudes that make me afraid to release my heart in a public setting. Now, I got a ways to go. You might laugh at that one, but. No, but there's other areas where the word is doing stuff inside of me that I'm like, really, Jesus, that's you? Yeah, yeah, it is. So I want you to, I want to give you a picture. I got seven more minutes. I used to hear this. This used to bug me. I had to get a renewed attitude on this because I'm more of a free-flowing spirit as opposed to let's talk about productivity and what can be seen. I like what's unseen and what it will do. So sometimes you can go for a very long time when you're a visionary and not see something. Abram waited a really long time to see what he was dreaming about. Um, so at work, when you're working... And everyone's involved in a project. There are action points. Good managers will tell you about action points. Like, let's not just talk about what we want to happen. Let's look at action points. There are some action points. We've been in renovation in the office for about 16 years. That's what it feels like. It's been a little over a month, and it feels like 16 years. But there are action points. People have worked hard If you've got some attitudes, if you have things, fears. You see, even an attitude isn't always just a snotty attitude. An attitude can be something you you want to believe it can happen, but for you, you don't think it can. And so there is an attitude. There's an angle of your thought processes that precludes you entering it. There are action points. Are you taking action? Are you getting aggressive? Are you saying, well, what I currently know, God, surely is enough to move forward, but I'm going to have to use the tools differently. One of the, we were having some wood walls and stuff put up just, uh, and desks and things in there. So there's this, I don't know, nail gun, a nail gun, I guess not. So they, it takes 18 gauge. I, I was listening the other day. Everything becomes an illustration in life when you're listening, you know. So whoever bought the replacements bought 16 gauge, not 18. And so they've spent, I don't know, an hour, an hour and a half trying to figure out why was the nail gun not working? The nail gun's not working. We can't put up this, this wall. I have a chimney in my office now. That's what it looks like. It looks like a chimney. I love it. I'm like, yes, glory of God. Let it go up the chimney and out into the atmosphere of Northern Virginia. Anyways, 
Finally, JR was like, you guys have 16 gauge nails. It takes 18. So that fast, all, all it took was that fast an action point. Somebody go to Home Depot and get 18 gauge. How fast might something happen if you say, okay, I got this great tool. I'm working with 16 gauge and that's not working. I'm having this attitude and I'm saying, Lord, I want to have a better attitude. I pray in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ that you will adjust my attitude, God. And he's saying, okay, I've told you, here's how you think. Or this is what you need to do. Or you need to go to that person and apologize. Or you need to lay aside that thing you want to do. And this is what I've asked you to do. Action points. Babette shared over offering tonight. Some people are like, and I'm not teaching right this second on tithing. I'm simply saying, if this is how you hold your money, you won't have any go out of your hand, but neither will you have some come into your hand. Say no condemnation. But it's true. It's just like little kids with their toys. I'm not sharing my toys. Well, sometimes we feel like I need this money. Are y'all with me? Action points. When you leave here tonight, I ask you, I I implore you, because I'm doing this, I'm asking questions. I'm sure God's like, good grief, girl, you're 64 years old. (laughs) You still got this many questions. Give me a chance to answer one. I dare you to go home and ask him some simple questions of how to adjust some things. Even exhaustion. God doesn't want us feeling exhausted, feeling so put out over everything in life. Do you realize Adam's body was built to exist for eternity? So there's something fearfully and wonderfully about these bodies that we've missed. I know you're tired. It's two minutes to nine. And some of you got up at 3.30 or 4 this morning. But I ask you, please, Matthew 18, 19 talks about something that word and faith people love, binding and loosing. All that is, is allowing and disallowing. And so there are some things in my thinking that I'm not allowing any longer. I'm not agreeing. I'm not, I'm, I'm binding up certain attitudes Some of it for me, and some of you may think the same thing. I'm going to lead the way God intended me to lead. So binding and loosing, anything, anytime we open our mouths, it's something we're allowing or something we're not allowing. And everything that comes out of our mouth started in our mind. The unrooted attitude is an unruly beast. Father God, we thank you for truth. We thank you, Father, that you desperately come after us. You ferociously come after us. You come and you cause us, Father God, to live and not die. I thank you, Father, that every one of us will ask you about action points. We will surrender We will relinquish in some instances our will, our willful attitude that says, I I just can't tolerate this, God. Father, I thank you that we are coming to a place of peace. 
I thank you that every person in this room, Father God, has a heart cry toward you for something. For something. And I thank you, Father God, you are faithful far beyond our understanding. Far beyond what we currently grasp and understand and know. I thank you, Father, that you have put spirit inside of us, built us as spirit, and then united us to your spirit. And so there is a drinking fountain right inside of us. And you are more than willing to stir it up so that it will overflow every boundary that holds us captive. I love you, Father God, and I thank you that you love all of us in this room. And I thank you for salvation in ways that are beyond what we could hope or think or imagine. In Jesus' name, amen.